Now, get ready to talk hockey. Streaming from the Oilers Live Studio. Subscribe or follow today. Hey, 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 it's Michael here again from Oilers Live. We're doing uh, Prospect Month now, coming up to the draft, July 23rd. Uh, last week, we had uh, Jared Brown on uh, from Draft Pro Hockey. Uh, that was fun. And, and uh, tonight, we've got uh, Brandon Holmes on. And Brandon does uh, a lot of different things for a lot of different people, I gather. <laughs> and uh, so, But I'm happy to have him on because... Uh, from time to time over the last couple of years, I've seen his name pop up here and there and, and been following him, following him on Twitter. Uh, so I respect uh, the stuff he does. Uh, thanks for joining me tonight, Brendan. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on, Michael. Happy to sit down and have some uh, draft talk with it up, with that uh, coming up so soon. Yeah. So you're uh, first, let's uh, chat about you because uh, so my guests get to know you and, and uh, they can follow you at uh, at Holmes underscore hockey. It's under under his image there. Um, and uh, tell us a bit about you. How long you've been uh, following prospects for? Um, you know, I know you're uh, you're a Devils fan. Uh, for those of you out there, Brandon just recently got married to and the liner of his uh, of <laughs> his wedding uh, uh, suit was uh, New Jersey Devils, so that's Certainly pretty was. Cool. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I thought that was kind of neat. Uh, but tell us a bit about you. How long you been doing this for? Well, uh, since I am a Devils fan, you can kind of see me getting uh, interested in the whole prospect scene. Right as the Devils are going to their, you know, almost eight year long rebuild at this point, <laughs> <laughs> so kind of getting involved around you know 2013, 2014-ish is when I really started to uh, dive in. And um, really what it came down to is I just had an interest in it. I wanted to get more involved in uh, learning these prospects. And uh, for so many people that are just interested in just writing, um, I did what I would say anyone should do and just start a blog, you know, uh, just start putting your own stuff out there and um, have your own opinions. You know, don't take up, take from other places, you know, really watch these players and, um, you know, put forth what you really believe, you know, is your opinion and such. Uh, so I've been doing this since, since around 2014, 2015 is when I started taking it a little bit more seriously. And, uh, um, I started my own blog over at Riding Pine and then I was able to, uh, write over at Dauber for a little bit doing my Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, prospect coverage. Uh, and I was, I was lucky enough last summer to get picked up by the future considerations in a video scout role, which is what I'm doing right now. Um, we have a great team over there and that's kind of, uh, my story and all of this so far, I guess. Yeah. Excellent. No, I, and like I said, I mean, I've been following you for a couple of years now i think it was actually um it, it's funny because i think it was a junior world juniors where i started following you you were doing these great sort of pre-game images is that right where you'd have uh who had their prospects playing in each game like what the lineups were and and so if the oilers prospects were on there you'd show that was you right if i'm not mistaken yep yep that was yeah. me yeah right. um I, I just love that tournament every year and that was part of what got me so interested in the whole prospect scene is just watching that tournament every year um and uh those those sheets i just uh when i was first getting into it i was I would watch these games and i'd be like who's like who's number 20 on on switzerland and i have to like get, dig through all these sites to find out who it was so i was like what if there's just like a good shorthand for everybody to like they'll just look up real quick like who's playing in this game so uh it's something i tried to do for the u20s the u18s um that's a lot of fun 
Yeah. Yeah. No, they, you know, they are helpful. I like, I appreciate them. I appreciate anything like that. And, and, uh, guys like yourself that are doing stuff out there that, uh, you know, help us, uh, as fans and, and, uh, you know, uh, fans of the league. So, so no, great stuff. Uh, do you have, I mean, this is a tough question and one, maybe I could have given you some, uh, <laughs> you know, advanced warning for, but, um, do you have like a, a philosophy around, uh, scouting that you, you know, that you follow? Is there, are there a couple of things that you personally are looking for? Uh, well, I, I think, uh, I think year to year, I think your process should always kind of develop a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think in hindsight from year to year, there's things where you feel like you may have overlooked certain aspects and prospects and you kind of learn from that. And, um, but I think my, my tendency is usually I, I tend to, uh, give a lot of tiebreakers towards faster, more skilled players. And, um, I think just some of the more, I guess, experience with scouting is, uh, kind of identifying players that have that higher end ho- hockey sense. Um, so I, I feel like the more I've uh, grown to watch these players and find out what separates, um, you know, maybe a mid-tier prospect from a real high-end elite prospect is how well they're able to process the game. And I think uh, going into this year, players like like a Maddie Beneers or uh, Mason McTavish, the way they're able to dictate the pace of play, not only because of skill, but more so how they think the game. I think that's something I've started to see a little bit more in prospects. So uh, I would say a primary emphasis on more speed and skill, but um, I think hockey sense is one of the hardest things to teach in a prospect. So uh, that's something that I've tried to kind of cover up that blind spot a little bit as I, you know, hopefully am growing and learning as a scout. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. I, you know, it, the other thing, and, and for those that are listening in or watching in live, you know, uh, Brandon, uh, one of the, I've seen his name around, you know, other people, you know, have a look to see what your rankings are. So obviously people respect, have a little bit of respect for what you do. And, and so that's good. That's good to, good to see. And nice to hear that you're continuing to learn the process. Cause I think, I think there probably is a process right into, you know, developing and, and seeing what, you know, what becomes NHL translatable skills. I'm not, so, you know, bear with me as we go into today, I don't take a lot of time watching prospects. I typically about this time of the year, I'll, I'll, uh, sort of, um, hone on to, uh, folks like yourself and, <laughs> and guys <laughs> around the league and, and learn, you know, from what you've uh, viewed and watched and, and, uh, and then I'll watch a few clips here and there, uh, and try to be at least a little bit knowledgeable come draft time, uh, in understanding, um, but you know what you guys put in the work. So, uh, definitely a ton of respect for that. All right. Let's, uh, let's chat about, cause I, you know, I, I asked Jared last week and I wanted to ask you, I wanted to kind of keep it the same week over week until we get to the draft. What, uh, like for you this year, what's been your experience? Uh, because it's, it's quite a bit different this year, obviously you're a video scout. So you're going to, you know, whether or not you're scouting video, you know, last year, or this year is the same, but maybe the amount of video, the, you know, what, what things have been different for you this year versus say last year and the year prior? I, I think this year, the biggest difference is, um, cause like I said, my, my, like you said, I'm a video scout. So my process in terms of how I watch these players wasn't particularly different, but what was so different was, uh, there were just some leagues that weren't playing or they played a more abbreviated season. Um, and some leagues have their season canceled midway through like the Swedish juniors. Uh, and I and I think in years past I've put more emphasis on uh, league play because you get a larger sample size out of you know seeing these kids play for their, their club teams than you know their home country. 
Um, but this year, just because of the weird circumstances of the year, there was certain leagues where there was a small sample size or just no sample size at all when you look at a league like the OHL. So I think this year it was a little bit harder uh, to stop recency bias from creeping in a little bit. You know, um, you go through the year, you, have the, you know, the Russian kids really start out, you know, rising up to the draft board because they're the only ones that are playing. And then Sweden starts up and they start doing the same thing. WHL kicks off, those kids start rising up. Uh, and I, I think this year it was a little bit hard to block out some of that more recency bias uh, in your rankings. But also because of that, more I would say more so this year than years past, I took more interest in how these prospects performed at the international best-on-best type tournaments. So um, someone like a Mason McTavish, I'll admit, really did rocket up my draft board after his performance at the U18s because we didn't get to see him much at all in the OHL. He did play a little bit over in Switzerland this year. Um, but seeing how he performed against his uh, peer group on an even playing field for all these kids, I think, uh, at least for me, it took a larger emphasis in my process this year and how I rated these kids against each other. Yeah, I, I mean, that's. I think that's probably going to be the toughest part this year, and and one of the things that um, you know I've noticed as I look at everybody's rankings is they're so diverse versus prior years. I mean, it used to be. Uh, one through five was, you know, pretty standard among everybody's draft board. You might have one guy has somebody at two, one guy has somebody at three. But I look, I you know, I I look at, um, you know, you you're uh, doing some work for uh, uh, FC Hockey right now, and and um, we talked a bit about it before we started today. But uh, you know, I look at Owen Power being number six on the ranking there. Uh, you know, he's you know. It, to go from one to six on anybody's ranking, right? And he's been number one on a number of people's rankings, and and uh, that's a pretty big leap, right? So, you know, the um, the the real talk is about how you could pretty much throw those sort of. I would I would have said the top five, but <laughs> I guess this kind of throws that out the window. You could throw the top six, maybe talk top eight into a blender, and and decide from there where you have them. Just just because of the lack of play, right? Right, yeah. We, we, were, we were talking a little bit before we went live here that uh, I think that's part of what makes this class uh, a lot more fun than years past, where you know you don't just have a, an Alexei Lafreniere, you don't have a Jack Hughes that's just one-to-one start to finish. Um, where this year, I think there's a little bit more spirit, spirited debate on uh, who is that number one prospect, who's a number six prospect compared to a number 15 prospect. You know, the... The, the consensus just isn't there this year, which I think made uh, the discourse just a lot more open and enjoyable this year, which I thought was nice. Um, and over, over at FC, uh, uh, I don't think in any of our rankings we had the same number one between two rankings. Uh, we recently just put out our draft guide, and uh, Owen Power actually did jump up to number one in that ranking. But oh, okay, <laughs> uh, that that was his first time in that slot all year, though. Yeah, um, I believe we started the year with Grant Clark as our number one. Then we went to Luke Hughes, um, and now it's it's Owen Power. And uh, I think in years past there was a lot of reluctance to really question that number one overall slot, whereas this year was a much more uh, open discussion, which I really enjoyed. Um, yeah, and like like there's just so much diversity in rankings. You know, you have a guy like Fabian Lucell could be number one on someone's board, and then on number one, he's number 23, which is just a really interesting difference from this year compared to, compared to other years. 
Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I I find it fascinating, right? To uh, to have that kind of uh, divergence because you know the other thing though, like as a general manager, when you go up and make that trade call, <laughs> you know what that tells me <laughs> is that nobody's going to be happy with what you know what you're going to call, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, if the Sabers, I I bet you if the Sabers call, you know, Owen Power up, which. I suspect that they will. I, I mean, I see him on enough. He's a big kid that, um, you know, I've had a chance to watch a little bit of video on him. I, I'm not, you know, as I said, I'm not ignorant to what's going on out there. I've watched him a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I, that's kind of what I, you know, I see happening. But if, if they didn't, you can't really fault them. I mean, there's, you know, there's not much to go on this year. There's a lot of players that could go in that number one spot. But as a GM this year, it's going to be, you know, there, there'd be a lot of fire insert gm name hashtags <laughs> this right. year. not that there not that there isn't every other year uh new jersey devils you got at four just curious um while we're talking prospects what do you think uh because you obviously care about the devils who do you think they're going to take or who do you think they should take at number four if if they're available uh who they will take and who they think they should take i think is actually a line this year uh i, I think they should take <laughs> luke hughes if he's available yeah, and not not just because of the Jack Hughes connection. I think um, he's he's number two on my personal board. I rate him very highly, um, and I I think he's a lot of what the Devils should be looking to add to their team because you know everyone knows the Devils need defensemen in that group right there. And uh, I, I view Luke Hughes in a very similar light to a guy like Shea Theodore, where he can dictate possession and the pace of play with uh, you know his ability to move the puck, and uh, he might not be as offensively creative as you know, is Jack or Quinn, but uh, he, he can contribute offensively because of uh, his ability to move the puck and distribute the puck in the offensive zone. And uh, I, th I think that's a lot of the same attributes the Devils should be looking to add to their blue line. Because if you can get the puck out of your zone onto the sticks of Jack Hughes, Nico Ishii, I think that's the way they should look. So um, if he's there, I think he should be the pick. Um, if he's not and someone like Seattle or Anaheim steals him away, I think Brent Clark would be an awesome backup option for him. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so talk about Brad Clark. Cause I, you know what, I haven't talked uh, much about this, uh, about Brad Clark. Uh, and he's, he's one of those guys I've seen as high as number two. And uh, well, in fact, I think I've seen him even in a couple number ones here and there. Uh, so he, you know, he's up and down the board. I don't think I've seen him as number one for a little while now, but you know, what, what are your thoughts on him? I mean, have you uh, had a chance to look at him uh, specifically? Yeah, he, he actually started the year as, as my personal number one. And then uh, I'd say around December, he got knocked knocked down by Owen Power, moved in my number one slot. Uh, and he's, he stayed there the rest of the way for me. But um, for Brent Clark, uh, I think what you saw him do in the OHL, he was just a very impactful offensive presence on that team. And uh, I think there's a lot uh, that can grow there on the defensive side of the puck. Uh, I think there's a lot of awareness and a lot of smarts with um, – I was able to manipulate space uh, both in both zones. And I think as he learns that defensive game more, I think he can become a more uh, steady two-way presence. Um, his forte definitely is the offensive side of the puck right now. And uh, I, I view him a little bit like kind of like a Chris Letang type where uh, I think he's going to break in as more of a power play specialist than an offensive guy. But I think there's a lot of potential there for him to uh, develop that well-rounded two-way toolkit. Um, I think there's some overall foot speed that he can, he can work on. I really like his agility, but he doesn't have uh, quite the same explosiveness in his stride the way someone like Luke Hughes or even an Owen Power does. So I think those two are separated a little bit because of uh, that component. But 
the way he thinks the the game, especially with the puck on his stick, I think is um he's he's well worth a bet in the top five for me. And so, who do you have? I mean, we talked about Owen Power. Uh, maybe go through. Let's let's hear your t- sort of top five right now that that you see. I know you you mentioned to me earlier that you know it's a work in progress right now, but you think maybe the top sort of maybe the first round for you is kind of is set out. Um, do you have a solid top five or do you think that'll change between now and, and uh, draft day? My, my top five, I would say is fairly solidified. I don't, I don't imagine it moving. Um, I, just, I mean, I, I was a little behind because of the, you know, the wedding planning and we were on, on the honeymoon <laughs> for a week. So <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> I, I was planning on digging in and doing uh, a lot more video over the past two weeks before I fully finalized my list. But uh, my top five, I would say, is pretty ironclad at this point with Owen Power at one, uh, Luke Hughes at two, uh, Matty Beniers at number three, Grant Clark at four, and then uh, William Eklund out of Sweden at number five. Okay. And uh, when you go, uh, I mean, because, you know, it's interesting, your, uh, your midway rankings, uh, we're going we're gonna to kind of jump around a little bit here on the whole topics thing, because... Your midway rankings, you had uh, Sebastian Cossa at 19. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you were to do, uh, have you done any mock drafts yet? Uh, a little bit, like here and there, kind of seeing like where, like just maybe seeing how things could shake out. Yeah, I've been, I've been keeping my eye on it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that's that's around where the Oilers are picking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right around mm-hmm. there. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and uh, in fact, they, they are picking at 19. Uh, you think uh, Casa might be a good Oilers pick? So I was actually talking to uh, Ash Glover, who's, who's a good friend of mine, who's also in like, you know, the, the yep. prospect scene and such. And um, we were just having a bit of fun. We were putting together a little mock draft, and uh, we were talking about it, and we actually put Sebastian Casa as the Oilers pick in our mock draft. And, you know, he's uh, he plays right there in Edmonton for the Oil Kings. Um, and I think you look at um some of what the Oilers could use in the, on that team they obviously have offense you know covered with the guys like you know Connor and Leon uh they've invested some high draft capital in defensemen like Bouchard and Broberg in recent years uh what they could really use is that you know elite high-end goaltender uh and Sebastian Costa I was looking at him recently and I think uh his past two years in the WHL I think he's only lost seven games in regulation He's got a ridiculous number. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, insane. Like, he's a yeah. uh, he's a big, big netminder, six yeah. foot six. He, I think he's got all the components to, uh, at minimum, be a strong starting goaltender, if not um, an upper echelon starting goaltender in the NHL. Uh, he's he's someone that the more I've watched this year, he's just he's just as steady as he, as they come. And uh, I think he he absolutely has what it takes to become a um, a starting goaltender for the Oilers if they chose him at that slot. So as the, as the year progressed for you in terms of the top prospects that, uh, you know, in that first round sort of area, maybe up to the top 40, who, who maybe has dropped the most for you uh, that you've seen and, and who's, who's surprised you the most? Uh, I, I would say one of my bigger, I would say droppers would probably be, uh, I would say Carson Lambos maybe. And he's still, he's still someone that I rate fairly highly. I still rate him as a first rounder. Uh, but at the start of the, my process this year, he uh, he was someone I was looking at as more of a top five type. Um, and because I, I think in, in years past, what you saw with Lambos was a really re- well-rounded toolkit where he can move the puck, he can play physical, he's good in his own zone. And I think some of the draw with him was 
Uh, he's already so solid at such a young age. Imagine if he adds just like one high-end tool to his game. Uh, and I was expecting this year to see him come in and maybe add some more punch in his mobility or uh, some extra creativity in his offensive game. And I feel as though I just didn't quite see that. And um, at this moment, I see just the solid, maybe number three, number four defenseman in the NHL level and not that potential top pairing guy that I saw maybe a year ago. Um, so he's someone that I would rate maybe more towards the 20s rather than the top five or top 10 pick. Um, and then I would say my biggest riser would probably be uh, Jack Peart, who's a defenseman who played for the Fargo Force in the USA, USHL and also uh, put some time in high school in Minnesota this year. Um, he's someone that he's just such a fluid and mobile puck mover. Uh, I was able to uh, sit in on an interview with him before the Biosteel All-American game, and uh, he was asked roughly what kind of NHL player he models himself afterwards. And he, uh, he said that his guy growing up was always Duncan Keith. And I think you can see a lot of Duncan Keith in his game where uh, he may not be the most skilled player out there, but he's such an intelligent puck mover. He thinks the offensive game really well, uh, can play both ends of the ice, willing to play physical, even though he's not really big. Um, and I think he's someone that uh, it's possible he doesn't go in round one on draft night, but I think he's absolutely worth a look in the top 25. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think uh, you know I've 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 heard the name, and I think I've seen him, you know, anywhere, you know, top round to yeah, mid middle of the second round, right? But definitely in the top two somewhere. One of the things I'm always kind of curious about because, you know, obviously the conversation around you know whether kids go and play NCAA or you know they play junior hockey in in Canada. Uh, was there a league this year that uh, was the benefactor of uh, you know the way things went, or or was there one league that was that came out sort of the victor uh, this year in terms of prospects that you noticed? Or I, I mean, I'm asking you. I'm not. <laughs> it's not something that I, I prepped you for. So, but uh, any specific league that you think was was really strong? I think because of the circumstances of the year, I think. I lost you. Hopefully, uh, hopefully I get you back right away. Just hold on. They got uh, someone like Jack Barr to come from the BCHL. So there was a, there's a big influx of talent that came into that league that wouldn't have normally been there. Um, the dog's whining over here. <laughs> <all> um, <laughs> um, but uh, also, I just feel as though this year they had a lot of. All right, so part two, <laughs> we're done. This is a two-part stream tonight. Uh, some people have to join back in, I guess. We did have one question that came in, and hopefully um, Jay is back on and listening right away. We'll just see. Seems to be, might be on my end. Can you still, you can hear me all right? Uh, I can hear you now. It, it, um, it, it, it like just uh, it cut out. You like just came back, actually. All right. I think I'm having a few, uh, few, few problems here. So, all right. So I think, I think we're officially back. Let's, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. Hopefully this doesn't persist. <laughs> we're, we're good to go. Oh, I think you've frozen up again there. There we go. <laughs> yeah.
if uh, if we keep uh, if this keeps going, maybe you and I can just uh, record off air. We'll finish the uh, finish this up, and then I'll um, I'll do my best to uh, release it as a recorded podcast for those of you listening in. So one of the questions that I had um, uh, was uh, uh, Jay asked, um, "Where do you think Dylan Gunther will be picked?" Uh, because he's seen him ranked anywhere from third to eleventh, and thinks his sweet spot is seventh to San Jose or eighth to Los Angeles. He's he's a tricky one because um, I could see him being drafted as high by third by Anaheim, um, and he's also someone that I could see you know falling into that San Jose LA uh, like spot like like you said, and um, he's someone that I, I I rate towards the lower end of that top ten. Uh, I don't see as much play driving ability as some of the other guys around him. But uh, if you're a team like say Anaheim, who wants uh, a higher end scorer to pair with a Trevor Zegers for the future, I think uh, he would make sense in that slot for the ducks. Um, and he, he really is. He's one of the harder players for me to pin down where he's going to go. But um, from what I've heard, it sounds like there's a lot of interest in him towards, I would say the top five of this draft class, but um, you know, we, we've seen, crazier things happen on draft day than, you know, a guy like Gunther falling out of the top five. So yeah. uh, I, I, I'm always very weary to put down definitive statements on a, you know, where a player might go on draft day. Um, I could absolutely see him going uh, in that top five, but I would be relatively shocked to be fell below eighth. I've seen a couple of big guys have him as high as two for sure. So, you know, I'd be, I'm, I'm curious, obviously there's the oil Kings connection there and, and definitely an Edmonton connection. So, uh, that's, um, that's pretty cool. He's, um, I think he's actually born in Hamilton, but spent most of his, uh, life in, um, in the Alberta area playing out at Sherwood park, I think, if I'm not mistaken. So that would be, that would be where the question's coming from knowing though, that he's not coming to the Oilers. I'm sure, you know, folks are probably a little disappointed, Although in oil country, we're more than happy to not have a first round pick <laughs> or a first, <laughs> a first overall pick for a change, uh, which you know something about uh, being a Devils fan as well, right? Yep. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got the, got the Nico Hesha jersey on right here. So. <laughs> right on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, all right. Okay. So, um, yeah, we talked a little bit about kind of your, um, you know, the people that you expected. We we're, we we're going to talk a little bit about, um, uh, yeah, we, as we were talking about the leagues, that's when you started cutting out a bit. And I don't know if it was on my end or not. One of the things I'm kind of curious about is the USHL. Like this league continues to have guys, you know, drafted in the top round high up. Like, is it getting better? I mean, it just seems to, seems to, you know, be pumping out like, we're watching Caulfield in the playoffs right now, right? Like, uh, you know, they've got some, you know, really great players going through that system. You know, is that, is that going to be, you know, one of the standards going forward? I I think it absolutely, it absolutely is getting better. Um, Throughout the years, the uh, development program has always been uh, fairly steady at pumping out top end talent. We look at, you know, Patrick Kane and Austin Matthews, Clayton Keller, Jack Hughes, those guys have all, have all been. Yeah, don't um, mention Kessler, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, they've all been standout uh, players that have come, come through that uh, NTDP program. Uh, but I think you're seeing a lot of growth in the, uh, the USHL club teams and their ability to draw in high-end talent. Um, 
you saw the Chicago Steel were able to draw in uh, Adam Fantilli, who's a top-end player for 2023. Um, and it sounds as though he's going to stay there next year rather than going to the OHA, uh, OHL. So that's a really big get for the USHL as a whole. And uh, they also got a commitment. I don't know if he decommitted at this point. I'll have to check in on it. But uh, they were able to get um, Ivan Roshnachenko to commit to Muskegon at one point, uh, who's a top-end Russian for next year's draft. So I think the USHL's ability to draw in that high-end talent is getting better compared to, uh, say, these players opting to go to WHL, the OHL, or find somewhere over in Europe. So I think overall, the USHL is definitely becoming a much larger player in the the overall prospect and draft landscape. So uh, I think, especially given this year, with they're able to pull on guys like Cole Sillinger away from his original league, I think uh, the USHL is definitely a rising league to watch uh, if you're looking to get into more prospect coverage. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. I, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I've been, um, I've just been amazed at it, it. You're right. Right. Like there's, it's not just the NTDB, uh, NTDP program, <laughs> uh, but it's, uh, you know, all the other, all the other teams seem to be uh, catching on board and, and uh, USHL has got, you know, wicked stats uh, for drafted players uh, that have gone on to do something. Um, and I think, you know, as does, uh, the NCAA obviously is continuing to grow and, and, um, uh, it just keeps getting better and better. And, and obviously guys like, uh, McCarr helped that out and, and the development of players that, that might come into the league a little bit later. It's interesting. I, you know, this part is really kind of, um, uh, been something that I've, I've liked to follow. I, I was, I was once having, uh, breakfast right beside Ken Holland <laughs> and um, you know he, he has no idea who I am but um, he's sitting there and I thought well you know I'm, I'll, I'll eavesdrop a little bit and <laughs> hear what he has to say and see if I can get any tidbits <laughs> it was right before an Oilers game actually it was uh, Buffalo was in in Edmonton and and so I was having breakfast behind him and he was talking to a, a friend he didn't he didn't talk anything that was um, you know, noteworthy in terms of like what was going on with the Oilers at the time. But what he was talking about was the NCAA versus the CHL and, and what, you know, where he would suggest kids go. And he was very high on the NCAA. Now, of course, I mean, when you think about Ken Holland, he's notorious for uh, letting prospects develop and go that route. So it's not too big of a surprise that he'd, you know, suggest, you know, a league where, you know, you you really want to see that see guys play two, three years in that league and, and, um, you know, hone their skills and come out and be just top end players. Right. And, uh, rather than the, you know, the CHL route and then go, uh, go into playing professional hockey right away. Right. Which is, which is very typical. I mean, you, you know, players that go back for one more year, right. Of, of, uh, WHL or CHL or wherever, um, before they go play in the AHL, but, but I, you know, I, I just thought that was kind of interesting. And, and so that's kind of neat from a, from a prospecting perspective. Do you, uh, is there a league that you follow most or do you kind of follow them all equally? Uh, I've, I've kind of jumped around a little bit. I think it depends on just, there's certain crops uh, from different leagues that just kind of grab me a little bit, depending on the year. Um, a year ago, I was, uh, I was a big watcher of the MHL over in Russia. Uh, this year, just, I think mean, just because of the strange circumstance of the year, there wasn't really 
uh, a certain league that really grabbed me uh, as like my my favorite of the bunch, I would say. Um, but uh, th- just going off of the uh, the NCAA discussion, I was actually before you mentioned that story, I was thinking in my head. Uh, I think the NCAA of all of the North American uh, leagues, I think it does the best job of preparing players for what the pro game is like. Uh, and I think I think you've seen that a lot that the NCAA is becoming more of a development ground for coaches. And I, I think a lot of the coaching staffs in the NCAA they uh, instill a lot of uh, systems and work ethic in these prospects where uh, guys that spend three or four years uh, marinating in college, they're very, they're very well equipped to jump right into pro hockey right away rather than a kid that, um, you know, maybe he scores 120 points playing in the QMJHL year, you know. Um, and I think uh, the NCAA out of all the North American leagues, I, I think I would agree if I had a player that I drafted in the third round, I'd probably prefer him to go to the NCAA rather than, say, the OHL or the QMJHL. Yeah. Yeah. And those later rounds for sure. hundred percent. I, yeah. I, I mean, that's a good way to look at it, right? If you're, you know, drafting later on, you know, looking at a guy that's going to go back and maybe play an NCAA. I mean, the challenge being, of course, is this, you know, little back out rule, right? <laughs> you know, you can right, draft yeah. them and if they don't sign, which has burnt a couple of, of players, um, you know, the, um, Oilers of course signed, uh, uh Oh, he was in Anaheim, didn't end up signing there, and then the Oilers signed him. Uh, Justin to Schultz. Pitch, to Schultz, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's <laughs> the one that comes to mind when I'm thinking about the Oilers, right? And and uh, how he was booed every time he went into Anaheim. And, and of course, there's been a couple right. other names and, and guys that have gone around. So, it's, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I mean, maybe they'll fix that uh, at some point, or maybe they won't. I mean, it... Um, you know, it it does uh, force a player to make the decision to go pro maybe sooner than they should. I I I kind of love the idea of a guy going uh, out and finishing their college um, career right and playing NCAA and and you know a, a team being all right. Like right now, I mean, it it affects draft rankings for uh, Russian players, right? That they might right. stay in the KHL, right? Um, I think it affects draft rankings for an NCAA player. Like I think. Uh, Owen Power hasn't declared whether or not he'll go and play NHL, right? Like he's kind of suggested that he might go back and play NCAA, if I'm not mistaken. Isn't that right? Or have you heard that? Yeah, he's uh, he said as as of now he's leaning towards coming back to Michigan for another year. Um, but he's he said after the draft he'll have more discussions with the team that that selects him. But so it sounds like he's open. But uh, it sounds like his preference is to stay in the NCAA for at least another year. Yeah, and to, and to me, as as you know, a team like if you're Buffalo and you need somebody or you want somebody that's going to make an immediate impact, then that might affect whether or not you say draft him or or uh, Hughes or right. Like uh, you know, you just you just don't know, right? Like what um, what you're going to do. Uh, it um, I can't believe we're talking about you know we talk about the Oilers always getting number ones, but I can't believe we're talking about Buffalo still being up there. Man, uh, you know what? I actually know a lot of Sabres fans and I feel my heart goes out to them. I mean, (laughs) as Oilers fans and New Jersey fans, we all know about like, you know, long streaks of rebuilds and, and, uh, you know, while we're watching everybody else uh, go wild. But um, man, I mean, this is um, this scenario. Buffalo gets a lot of talk for a team that's so low in the standings every year. Uh, I think, like, I think there's a definite, like, feeling around the league 
you know, of the like a little brother feeling like everybody wants them, <laughs> wants to see them do all right, you know, and get out of right. this funk because it's, it's just beyond uh, humor now. It's you, you got to feel bad for them. <laughs> like it's, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 uh, I live in like central, like Western New York actually. So yeah. I, I have a lot, I have a lot of friends that are Sabres fans and, uh, uh, I wish them well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it's a tough, tough, tough go. All right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Oilers. Uh, if, if we've got a bit of a time here, I mean, we talked about, uh, Sebastian Casa, you, you and, um, Ash talked about, uh, in your mock draft about the Oilers taking him at number 19. Uh, are there any other players in and around that spot that, um, you think, uh, like, I mean, you had, um, who, who do you have in around, let's say 17 through 23 right now? Is it well, still uh, the same? I, I, uh, we had them taking Sebastian Costa, but if they don't go with a goaltender, I think, um, since the Oilers, they spent some draft capital on the likes of Bouchard and Broberg, I think they'd be well, uh, well suited to go, uh, with a forward and more specifically a winger. So they can have someone to compliment, you know, Connor, Leon, hopefully Dylan Holloway, able to come in and grab a center spot on that team um so I, I would love to see them go after a winger if they don't pick up a goaltender um and in that spot i, th- I think there's a lot of really attractive options in the oilers range if you're looking at a winger uh you could look at a guy uh, who plays right in uh uh western canada in uh logan stan coven who i think is a you know he's a smaller five eight ish score um brings a lot of offense i think he's likely going to be a little undervalued uh in terms of where he goes in the drafts. Um, and then, uh, so one I always think about when I think about uh, who the Oilers could look at would be uh, Nikita Chibrikov out of Russia. Um, I'm not sure off the top of my head how much the Oilers have really favored towards Russians in recent years, but I think he's someone that would be a really good fit uh, when you look at adding speed to your team to complement Connor McDavid. Uh, for my money, I'd say Chibrikov is probably the best skater in this draft in terms of just pure speed and agility. and uh, I love the fit of being able to throw him in the Oilers' top sticks. So just have another Lamborghini right next to Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl out there to just buzz around other teams' defenses. Um, and another guy I don't quite have uh, in that range. Um, I have him more rated as a low first or early second, but I think would make sense uh, in terms of just a fit with the Oilers would be Matthew Coronado from the Chicago Steel. Um, and I, I don't. The reason why I'm a little lower on him than I'd say, you know, consensus is uh, I don't see a guy that can really drive his own line. But when you have guys like Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisel on your team, it's not as much of a prerequisite, I would say. And what Coronado does so well is I think he's an excellent uh, complimentary scorer where he can go to dirty areas. He can bang in goals. And he, he banged in a lot this year in Chicago. I think he was nearly a goal per game this yeah. year for the steal. Um, and he's someone that if he's there at, tw- at 20, he might be gone by 20. Yeah. Um, I yeah. Think- I've seen him ranked in the sort of top 15, in 15 to 20 area. Yeah. And, and I, I don't quite rate him, him as high, but in terms of just a raw fit, I think he'd be a really good fit for the Oilers at, uh, at 19th. Yeah. But um, because I don't know if you know, I'm based in Halifax now. So there's a, there's a guy, and I don't think he's uh, going to the Oilers. But what's your thoughts on Zach, Zachary Larue? Because uh, he to me he's an interesting guy. He's uh, been up and down uh, everyone's draft rankings uh, for you know a year now. Even before pandemic, it was it seemed like he's you know he's ranked 
high first round to low first round to out of the first round. Uh, you know, he, um, have you had a chance to watch him play at all? He's a, he's a really interesting case in that, um, <laughs> I would, I would say a lot of North American prospects, I don't think get labeled as super risky because they don't have that flight risk that say a Russian would have, but I think he's somewhat risky in just, uh, his discipline on the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of like, almost like a Brad Marchand or Matthew Kachuk light where, uh, he does have skill. He can bring a lot of offense, but um, he's just so undisciplined. And he uh, he loves playing a pest, but he can take bad penalties. I think in his QMJHL career, I think he's creeping up on, you know, you might need more than one hand to count how many times he's been suspended. Um, and I think that's somewhat of, of an issue with him. But um, if you're a team that want, you want to add some scoring punch, and you also want to add some sandpaper, I think he's a really interesting guy because he's, he's not afraid to be a pest out there. Uh, and he can bring... Uh, some some skill and some offense to uh, to a lineup. I think you can play up and down a lineup. Uh, and I think a good landing spot for him would be a place where uh, you take him into a very established core and they were able to kind of rein in some of that discipline issues with him. But I, I think he's someone that is very interesting uh, in, say, the final third of the first round, maybe early third of the second round, um, that, uh, you know, if you're looking for a, a gritty forward, I think he's as good as any in that range. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, like I, um, you know, I, I think I think about him and I think he's one of those players that if he can kind of get it together uh, and uh, really show uh, that he's not, you know, he's not going to fly off the, <laughs> off the handle, right. like he could be the steal of the of the round. Right. Like he's. You know he's creative. He's he's fun to watch. He's you know he's a good player. It's it's kind of like the difference between say, uh, maybe not even a good example. I'm trying to think of a good example, but uh, you know like if you take like Kadri, who you know arguably cost the Colorado the series right against Vegas, right? right? Who is you know a hell of a player and uh, just went goes over the line like far too many times, right? Um, and, but is, is incredibly useful, right. Versus a guy, I don't know. I mean, Marshawn, since the licking incident has been pretty good, right. You know, <laughs> you know, if you can kind of change to what he is today, right. Like Marshawn is, is absolutely 100% the, you know, one of the best players at it today, right. Like you just, you hate the guy. Uh, but he's so damn good. And, and, you know, I, last week, I think I, I suggested he was, you know, in some ways underrated, right? Like, I don't think people fully kind of realize just how good he is. Like, he's always right. in the top, you know, top five scoring, right? Year over year over year. And we are always talking about him, but nobody ever, like, I, nobody's ever mentioned him for a heart trophy or anything, right? Like, it just doesn't, you know, it just doesn't happen. But he's so good, right? And right. I hate, yeah. and I hate the guy. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. That's the, but, <laughs> You know, if the Oilers found a way to trade for him tomorrow, I, you guarantee I'm not disappointed in that, right? So that's the kind of like I'm not suggesting Larue could be a you know Brad Marchand, but uh, that good. But he certainly, in my mind, got the ability to be a high you know high you know top six player. Uh, you know, am I maybe overvaluing him? You think? Uh, I. Well, I think you bring up Nazem Kadri is, uh, I think that's just a very interesting case study in like uh, what you could be getting with Zachary LaRue, where 
he could be a really high-end impact player. It could be a second-line forward. Um, but part of what ended his stint in Toronto was uh, the organization just felt that they couldn't trust him anymore. That when they need him the most, you know, he, he'll, he'll see the red mist, he'll get suspended for a playoff series. Yeah, I think at this time, that's some of the inherent risk that comes with Leroux, where uh, on a night-to-night basis, you're not sure if you're going to be able to have him in your lineup. And um, if he's able to rein that in, We're uh, running with. We might have lost the stream again. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I we caught most of what you had to say there. I'm just hoping that it. Uh, I think we're, I think we're back on, which is good. <laughs> back on. <laughs> All, right. All good. All good. Yeah, this is uh, this is the downside of uh, of. Um, you know, going live now, right? Is uh, <laughs> right, <you know. laughs> and uh, this is completely this is going to make it onto the uh, podcast recording, but I'll say it anyway. I actually had um, the internet, which I've got a gig to the house, uh, gig fiber. Uh, a uh, moving truck drove by my house and snapped the line off. Oh no! And when they put the line back on, it's just never been the same. And I don't know if it's my side or your side, but um, it's always hard to tell. I, all mm-hmm. I know is that uh, ever since that happened, it seems to happen more often. And, right. uh, you know, I'm going to have to check that out. All right. Um, yeah. So we'll move on from LaRue. Because I, I, I do think, yeah, I think that, you know, some of it is obviously being here in Halifax. You watch the kid play and and um you notice how talented he is and i'm just kind of curious i like um yeah <laughs> love watching uh i love watching that and and seeing um seeing guys that i get to get a chance to see live right like see how well they do and, and where they could go I'd, I'd love to see him do well but you know I, i'm i think about like tony d'angelo for instance right like you know there's uh a good chance he'll be bought out right? Like after right. Um, the Stanley Cup's awarded here. And, um, you know, is there a team that's even willing or going to take a shot at, shot at him, you know, at a low, low rate? I mean, like, like you're going to get roasted no matter who you are. Right. <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> and, um, and does he have enough up, upside? Like to me, that that's the kind of guy LaRue is, right? Like maybe not on the social media side, but on the, you know, in the right. game side, right? Like he spit on somebody. That's what got him suspended for one of his suspensions, right? Yeah, like it, it, uh, it it kind of brings you back a little bit to um, maybe not quite as high end of a talent, but just the similar situation that uh, dropped him down, you know, to where he and ultimately got drafted. Where uh, Ryan Merkley went to San Jose years ago, where yeah, probably talent alone, he was probably a top ten talent, but. Um, there was concerns with attitude issues and some discipline that, that really uh, ultimately ended up him dropping down to, I believe, 20th to San Jose, I would say. Yeah, I don't remember, but it was low, <laughs> right? Yeah. Versus where, because I think he was it, it, always in the top 10 all year, right? And then, yeah. Yeah, and it was it was the same thing where, um, you know, there were concerns with his attitude and um, it took a team like San Jose where they felt that, you know, their locker room and their group was strong enough to, um, you know, real, real the kid in and kind of iron out those issues. And I think, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's attitude issues with LaRue. I haven't heard any of that, but I, I think it's going to take a, a similar kind of thing with LaRue where the orientation that takes him, it has to be confident that they can 
um, iron out some of that discipline and uh, be able to rein them in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't, I mean, it doesn't fly at the NHL level. It barely flies at the, you know, right. the uh, junior level. So, um, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I'm just, I, you know, I'm really curious. And then, I, I mean, I've, obviously, it'll be a couple of years before you ever find out if the, you know, player makes any dent in the NHL. But uh, I'll definitely be a guy I'll be following. Uh, all right, let's um, let's finish off tonight. We'll chat a little bit about what's upcoming. I mean, um, you know, there's a couple of... Uh, uh, I, you know, I'm starting to hate the term generational talents that are coming out. Uh, we're not going to, let's not use that term. Let's just say really <laughs> top end prospects, uh, Canadian kids, um, which I know doesn't matter to you matters to us here in Canada. Uh, but, uh, Shane Wright, uh, obviously is, is one guy that's, um, outstanding and I'm, I'm sure you got a chance to watch him lots. And then the guy you would have been, you probably would have saw. Of course, at the uh, U18s, um, Connor Bedard. Um, I mean, what what are your thoughts on on these guys? Like right now, they look to be locks for you know. Well, I mean, there's uh, I, I shouldn't say that. The Michkov looks pretty damn good too, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, Bedard just seems to be running away with that. I know Michkov looks good, but this is kind of like uh, it's it's. Be- coming to me like a Connor versus Eichel sort of Jack Connor versus Jack sort of thing, right? Where Bedard just seems to be <laughs> that just a little bit better, right? I, right? I don't know your thoughts on that anyway, and on both those players. Let's start with Shane Wright. So uh, Shane, I mean, <laughs> okay, you you mentioned that you don't like the term generational, and I agree it's, uh, it's been thrown away, like thrown around a little bit too often in, in recent years. Um, but like I think for the likes of Shane Wright, Matt Bay, Mitch Cuff, Connor Bedard, I think it's almost fitting. These kids are just remarkable. Um, I believe I believe today I think the Vegas odds came out for like the Stanley Cup, and yeah. uh, my my Devils were tied for last in the odds, and I was like, like <laughs> Shane Wright's available next year. I think I'm okay with that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, he's a uh, such a gifted goal scorer. Um, the, play, the player that I, that I think about right now when I think of Shane Wright is uh, someone like Steven Stamkos where he came in and he was 23 years old. He's potting 60 goals, you know, two out of three, three or four years, whatever it was at the NHL level. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think Shane Wright has that in his goal scoring toolkit. Um, he's such a weapon on the power play. He's got such a great release, heavy shot. And uh, that shot's only going to get better as he gets older and as he gets stronger. Um, and he's so intelligent. Uh, is able to manip- manipulate the puck and defenses, get to high interest scoring areas. Um, he's just, he's remarkable. I don't, I don't imagine he'll fall from that number one spot. Um, he has a pretty good horse in the race behind him and Brad Lambert out of Finland, um, mm-hmm. who's also fantastic, but, uh, I don't see any way Lambert's able to catch him for that number one spot. Yeah. And then, um, when it, when it comes to Connor Bedard and Matt Mitchkov, um, my, my two brothers, they don't follow prospects at all. And those are two kids I can't help but just rave to them. They're like, you don't know how good these 15-year-olds are. Like, these kids are incredible. Um, these two kids, when you look at draft history, they have almost no comparables when it comes to Bedard and Mitchkov. Uh, Bedard's the first ever exceptional player out of the WHL in history. So yeah. what, he's, what he did this year in the WHL at his age has literally no comparable, which is kind of insane. And then when it comes to that Matt Mitchkov, the only player that you can really compare to what he did at this age when it comes to 
the Russian juniors um, is Nikita Kucherov, who's one he's of all the, right. Yeah, he's, he's decent. <laughs> he's, he's um, decent. Yeah. So like those, that's the comparables you're talking about with these kids. And I, I think generational is actually fairly worthy for those kids. And you couldn't talk to me, you know, these kids, there's almost no players like them throughout junior hockey history, which I think is really interesting. And they're going to be in the same draft class, which is just insane. Um, yeah. And uh, gone to my head, I have no idea who I would uh, prefer in, in terms of just talent. Um, I would be surprised if Bedard falls from that number one spot in 2023, just on the basis alone that Matvey Mishkov signed an extension with SKA over in Russia. So I believe the earliest to be able to get Mishkov over to North America will be 2026. Oh, yeah. So um you'll you'll get Mishkov at second overall and you'll you'll thank yourself in four years when you finally get him because he's going to be fantastic <laughs> yeah. but he's not gonna you know come in and be an impact player right away like Connor Bedard will yeah uh, that's uh, it's interesting actually I didn't know about the extension so that's good um you know one of the great things about doing this uh these prospect things week over week is is you guys are helping me get a education here <laughs> so <laughs> so by the time it's all done if I sound a little bit like Brandon Holmes, uh, when I'm talking about a player, you'll know why, because I had a chance to chat with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all, it's all good. Hey, we're, uh, we're, uh, closing into the bottom of the hour. Um, I mean, we, you, you said you got Owen power at, at one, um, maybe just finish it off. Um, you think Buffalo takes Owen power? I think they do. I, I think the more and more we've gone through this year, I think, uh, he's really separated himself as uh, the top prospect. Um, I, w- I wasn't completely sold on him until I saw him play this year at Michigan. Uh, and I really saw um, just how capable he was as a 200-foot con- contributor. Um, I think his his absolute floor, I think, could be someone like a Seth Jones. You know, he's a big offensive-minded defensive line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah. I think that's like the lower end of what he could be. Um, I think I think there's there's some debate right now how good Seth Jones really is, but you see you see a, a similar toolkit uh, in Owen Power when you compare him to Seth Jones and um, you know Buffalo. You're, they're probably <laughs> they're probably closing on a, on a Jack Eichel trade soon, and I think maybe the future of the Sabres for the next five ten years is maybe they look to instead of building around a franchise center, maybe they look to build around that blue line with Owen Power and Rasmus Dahlin and Ryoka Haru, and maybe that's their identity moving forward. Um, and I, I'd be surprised if he's not the number one pick for the Sabres. Yeah. I, you know, I had a chance to, I've, I don't know why, but for some reason, the Sabres are just one of those teams I've had a chance to watch live kind of everywhere. And, um, and I've had a chance to watch Darlene live. Uh, and I just, I don't think the world fully understands just how good this player is. Like, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like he does things that you got to watch live right like you you just don't get to see them on on video right like you don't get to see them on tv and you watch them just in the back end and and uh i'm a big darlene fan uh just after watching him you know live a couple games and getting down near ice level and seeing how he plays and and how he looks at that you talk about hockey sense i mean he's brilliant and uh and i i suspect you know if buffalo should ever turn this franchise around which you know i i I hope they do because that's hard for one team to, as I know, I know as an Oilers fan, it's hard to kind of endure that level of uh, 
and and they've had moments of brilliance, right? Like, you know, right, like yeah. you know, they've had some amazing winning streaks, and then they get um, they get this. It's it's just weird. Um, anything you want to finish with? Anything that you kind of think uh, this draft big surprise? Anything that uh, comes to mind, or you know, maybe last words for you? Uh, I don't I don't know about a big prediction because I I think anything. I think anything goes for this draft class. Um, I think it's going to be a really uh, fun day for uh, the first round of the draft. And then and, uh, it's always, it's always such an exciting time. And I think this year, just because of how unpredictable it is, I think it's going to be, uh, it's just going to be a fun day. I think, <laughs> you know, there's, there's so, there's so much that, that can happen. And um, uh, I think for my like big prediction, I think we might see three goaltenders go in the first round this year. That's the big one I'm going to throw out there but uh, in terms of of exact slots i uh, i have no idea because the drafts is already so unpredictable this year um not a whole lot would surprise me i guess yeah and you know once dominoes start to fall right like gms have their their eyes on a couple of people and they you know start going down that list and and uh, based on interviews and who they know and yeah there's lots into it right like that right. you know we don't get a chance to see and and uh, you were lucky you said you sat in with them um, uh, pert on that interview and like some of those like to be able to talk to these players can give you a whole different perspective on who you know who they're going to be and and what kind of player they are what their ethic is like and and all of those little things so uh hey i appreciate you coming on brandon uh hopefully i'll get you back on um maybe we'll get you uh middle of the season or something we can kind of talk about where what, what's happened and maybe where some of the prospects are playing and and that um where do people find you and uh you know tell us a little bit about that where you go so uh you can find most of my work over at uh future considerations right now um we uh we just put out our draft guide but i usually have a, a monthly column over there you can check out um and then uh some more like personal stuff that i put out from time to time you can find that over uh at riding pine um which i think we might have a bigger announcement at Riding Powering pretty soon. So just a, a little teaser for that. Keep an eye out for that. Um, and uh, that's about it. Yeah. All right. Well, congrats again on uh, on the uh, nuptials. And, uh, Thank you. <laughs> and uh, well done. And, and thanks again for, for joining me. I'll get you back. Uh, maybe just stay on for a minute. And uh, we'll say goodnight to everybody. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Yeah.